This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino. Hello and welcome to Where Parents Talk here on 105.9 The Region. I'm Leanne Castellino. Thanks for joining us. Each week, we look at parenting hot topics through the lens of science and the lived experience of our guests. On today's show, a developmental psychologist, assistant clinical professor at ICANN Medical School in New York, and founder of the Mount Sinai Parenting Center. Dr. Eliza Pressman is also a podcast host, author, and a mother of two. Dr. Pressman joins us today from New York. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Dr. Pressman, your book is called The Five Principles of Parenting. Could you tell us what was the impetus for you to write it? I wanted to write a book that I thought could kind of house everything that really matters in the science under one roof for every age that could clear away some of the noise that can tend to be thrust upon us parents. And I also wanted to make it practical so that I could take the science and apply it in practical examples enough that it could become sort of fluent for any parent who reads it. And I felt like I, I actually was not planning on writing a book. I've been doing this for a couple of decades now. And I felt like, first of all, there are some amazing books out there that colleagues of mine have written. And there are so many books that I was like, I don't need to add to the burden for parents. So I was unwilling to write a book unless I could feel like it would unburden and relieve parents while giving tools. And so that was kind of where I landed on, can I boil down what really matters that's actually in our control into something that is manageable for parents? Do you feel that you've achieved that? I think so. I think I have. I think it took some time and experience and thought, but I think with, you know, a lot of support, I feel like this book is what I'm, what I, the feedback I'm getting it is the, that it is very relieving and practical. You talk about the noise and the ocean of different books and resources that parents can tap into today. What would you say differentiates your book? I would say the differentiator is first, it's not a single topic book and it's not a single age. Um, so I really boiled down the science and then I feel like it was curated enough that I made sure that the science that I mentioned matters in any context, in any culture, in any community, instead of feeling like I was writing it for one particular community. The distinguishing feature is making practical from, from the, the lens that I have, which is a developmental psychologist. So I don't look at psychopathology. I'm looking at change over time and how we come to be who we are. So I was able to say like, here's how it applies with infants. Here's how it applies with toddlers. Here's how this applies with preschoolers. Here's how it applies with school age. Here's how it applies for adolescents and not make parents do the work. And also then you, you kind of can keep it and go back to it as a resource, but not read it all at once. You've been a developmental psychologist for more than two decades now. With all of that knowledge, what was your approach with respect to the research that you undertook for this book? My approach is including research that's pretty robust, that is 
held true over time and in different contexts and is shown to move the needle a little bit on outcomes for kids and parents. And I also, you know, I have a pretty good lens to look at what content is out there that is maybe not as helpful as we think it is in our fields. Like sometimes things are really interesting, but they're not helpful and you can't do anything about it. So I don't really feel like that is needs to be a burden for parents. Um, so I think my lens just is, is one on the one hand, very quick to look at the science. And then on the other hand, I have a lot of practical experience with families. So I know what the pain points are and the questions are and the worries. And I wanted to include them at every age so that it just felt like I wasn't burdening parents with more work to do. Take us through how you took that robust research and applicable science and then distilled it down to just five principles. You know, if you talk to any, and I think this is why I've gotten so much support from colleagues and scientists in this field and in adjacent fields like neuroscience, et cetera, is that you really like can boil it down to these five core principles, relationship, reflection, regulation, rules, and repair. Once you realize they're umbrellas for so many different things, like just looking at relationship, you're getting anything to do with connection, attachment, sensitive caregiving, um, attunement, listening, presence, that's all relationship. And so when you really think about it, there isn't that much that is critical for our children to thrive. And so we really can boil it down to five, but I think it probably would be intimidating for someone who's just looking at piles of research. But over the years, like I have clarity to be able to distill it down to what I know really matters. And I feel like it took a while to have the confidence or audacity maybe <laughs> to say that, but I feel pretty good about it. You are listening to Where Parents Talk. I'm Leanne Castellino in conversation with Dr. Elisa Pressman, developmental psychologist and author of The Five Principles of Parenting. Dr. Pressman, you talk about relationship, one of the five principles. Could you take us through the others and why each is important. I think relationships the easiest one to explain because we all are in relationships, whether they're challenging or easy or good or bad or whatever. We're relational creatures, humans, and we have learned through the science. And frankly, you know, there are so many other lenses you could look at this because you could look at art and literature and mindfulness and spirituality, and you'd still find the core at the core is relationship and the quality of our relationships. Um, but the science also shows us that relationships are so powerful that they can actually move the needle from what is considered toxic stress that would be harmful. Like not just harmful in the short term, but harmful decades later. We know that those having chronic unmitigated stress, just like it never, it never lets up. There's just constant flooding of cortisol, which is the stress hormone that that can lead to heart disease in your midlife, like something that was in your childhood or, um, you know, mental health outcomes that we wish didn't have to be. And that you can move the needle and how those stressors present themselves in the brain and body simply by having a close connected relationship with one adult with whom you feel safe and secure. So that's powerful. 
And we also know like the longest running study on happiness names relationship as the powerful tool for longevity and um, quality of life. So the science is really clear on relationships. And we know that for those, not that you wish these big giant stressors on children ever, but the idea that the buffering effect of that close relationship can move the categorizing of the stressor from toxic to tolerable, to me, that is magic because it's free, it's in our control, and it's teachable. Because if you never were in close relationships and you struggle to connect, there are resources out there to learn how to do that. And hopefully I'm one of those resources. After relationship comes reflection. Can you describe what is important for parents to know about reflection as a principle of parenting? Sure. I mean, I think the first thing that reflection can just like, just to simplify it, pause. Give yourself a pathway to think about your intentions and to wonder about your responses and reactions and to think about your early experiences so that you can make intentional choices about how you parent. Because you're like, I wonder if my experience is making it so that when my child does X, Y, or Z, I react this way or whatever it is. And it allows you to take space. And I think reflection is the least sort of popular because it's sort of too easy almost to think that just pausing and reflecting can move any needles on anything, but it's so enormous. And it's also helpful to reflect back with your kids. So they learn the art of reflection. And when you do that, the reflection moves nicely into regulation because it's that pause that allows you to have the space to make intentional choices and regulate your nervous system so that you can be intentional and authentic in how you parent so that you're regulated enough to handle it when things come your way. So unless there's an emergency, you don't have false alarms going off in your nervous system and, you know, make very spur of the moment kind of autopilot choices that you regret in your parenting because you've had the space to pause. You've breathed, you've thought through, and you now are coming forward regulated and therefore co-regulating with your child who doesn't yet have the nervous system and the brain development to totally self-regulate. So you're building their regulatory muscles in quotes, and you are providing that for yourself. And again, we only have to do these things more often than not. We're never going to be perfect. So that's regulation. And to me, regulation is freedom to make choices about your parenting and to help bolster those skills in your kids. And all of these really do that, right? Like relationship, a close connected relationship with a child means that they will learn and it will become wired in them how to have those kinds of relationships for when they grow up. And um, so the next one is rules. And I think rules is kind of unpopular right now because it feels like it's hard to have a sensitive relationship if you're upsetting a child or anybody with your boundaries and the expectations that you have for behavior. But in fact, rules provide safety and security and predictability in a very, very chaotic world. So when we can provide that 
we're actually serving our relationships. What it feels like is if we get those sort of challenging emotions reacting to our boundaries or reacting to the limits that we set, we can question them. Like, well, this didn't work. They're feeling upset. And that's where I would say, we really have to believe that feelings aren't dangerous and that we can give our kids the space to have the range of emotions so that they learn they're not dangerous and they're able to move through them and get past them. So that's very important. And you wouldn't learn that if every time there's a rule, when you get upset about it, your parent is like, okay, never mind. That's not safe. Um, and then I would say, what with all of that in mind, repair is a huge part of the developmental literature, the developmental sciences, because we're going to mess up. We're going to be disconnected. We're going to have discord. It's, it's actually part of a healthy relationship. And it's how we come back together from those moments where we're just disconnected that really measure the quality of the relationship and give us the tools to know that we can handle that in our adult relationships and our friendships. Our conversation with Dr. Aliza Pressman, author of The Five Principles of Parenting, will continue here on Where Parents Talk. Stay with us. Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino. Welcome back. I'm Leanne Castellino here with you on 1059 The Region. You're listening to Where Parents Talk, and our guest is developmental psychologist Dr. Aliza Pressman, whose debut effort as an author is a book called The Five Principles of Parenting. Now, one of the things you address in the book, Dr. Pressman, is the idea that parents work on normalizing imperfection. Why is this an important concept to not only think about, but practice? So I would say there are two really important things to remember about perfection. One, it's not possible. Two, it's not healthy for kids to see that modeled. So even if you could be perfect, what burden does that place on our kids? What message are we giving them if we're perfect? The message would be it's possible. And then our children grow up and feel so unworthy because they're not perfect. And they're like, wait, my primary person that I look up to in life is perfect. So that is attainable. And it must be me that's the problem. So I actually think it's urgent that if you are bending in the perfectionist direction, that you acknowledge that makes sense because this is my most important job. And also part of this important job is to help raise a child who has the self-compassion to make mistakes and grow from them. The other piece you reference is about parents reparenting themselves. Why do you think that this is something to keep in mind? So when we are able to reflect on our experience being parented, what the parts that might have been missing, the things that we would have needed or wished we could have had. And that doesn't mean that our parents were bad parents. It just means like they were also a work in progress and what 
what are the skills that are missing right now that I might need because I didn't have that support growing up. And then you go ahead and figure that out. And with such love and compassion, offer yourself that growth and recognize that there are going to be some things that are a little harder for you because you didn't learn them growing up and you're just learning them now. And also this incredible thing about our brains is that the transition to parenthood is a huge moment of growth in our brains. It's not as big as infancy through early childhood or the boost in adolescence, but it is the third biggest boost in our brain development, which means we are motivated to grow and change. When we reparent ourselves, we have capacity at like, unlike any other time in our adult life. And so even if it's hard, it's something that we can really do. If you were to go about prioritizing the understanding and use of just one of these five principles as a starting point, which one would it be and why? Well, that's such an interesting question because I didn't order them. So what I did in the book, just to, to answer this question, maybe while I'm trying to figure it out out loud, work with me <laughs> in the book. I didn't separate it like, this is the repair chapter. This is the relationship chapter. This is whatever. What I did was I explained these things as they actually occur, which is in concert with each other. And then when I did the second half of the book, which wasn't the science, it was the application of the science. In the examples, I do little notes when there is one of these you know, moments where let's say there's a Q&A part of the book. And in the answer, I have in parentheses, repair, reflection, regulation. Like I'm kind of pointing out what is happening in the answer with the specific example. So let's say I'm saying, you know, you know, and then you would look at each other and laugh. In parentheses, it would say repair, because that means in that moment, you're reconnecting and repairing. So I tried to not place them in, in this way where it was like, this is the most important to the least important, but more like they work in concert. And here's how you can notice as you move through the world when they are working. So I could probably pitch any of them as the most important. Um, because in some ways I'm like, well, repair, obviously, because that way there's always opportunities to come back together. And if togetherness and connection matters that much in relationship, there has to be a path forward when there's disconnection. But then I could also say at all costs, prioritize relationship because we know that it buffers the effect of so many of the outside stressors in the world. And I don't mean like the light stressors because we need those. We actually can't have a stress-free life. That would be unhealthy. We wouldn't learn how to navigate challenges, but I'm talking about the big, big, big stuff. But then I also can see reflection, you know, and regulation and rules. So I think they really do work together. And rather than choosing one to focus on, I would do like a, like a C plus job on each because you don't need to get them all right. You just need a little, like more often than not to be aware and to be intentional about how you're responding so you can use these principles more often than not and sprinkle them in to your day-to-day -day interactions rather than choosing one to focus on or, you know, pick a favorite and like <laughs> see how it goes. And then as you get a little bit more comfortable with it, you can move on to the next one. 
I'm Leanne Castellino in conversation with Dr. Eliza Pressman, developmental psychologist. You are listening to Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region. Now you mentioned the second half of the book being application focused. Could you give us an example of a typical pain point that you'd find in any household these days and demonstrate how the five principles can be used to address that particular issue? Let's do discipline because it's just always top of mind for people. (laughs) And in the age, there's always, you know, how do I navigate helping my child or teenager or partner or whomever understand that there are certain expectations about how we move through the world and um, how do I help them understand them and get the skill, develop the skills. So I would say I would put relationship and relationship regulation and um, rules into this sentence. All feelings are welcome. All behaviors are not. So there's a chapter called all feelings are welcome. All behaviors are not meaning I'm in relationship with you. If you have a feeling, if you're feeling upset about something, or if you're angry about something, I'm, I'm going to welcome that feeling. Please share with me your feelings. And also I'm going to let you know with my rules. So that's where the all behaviors are not come in. So you can be angry at your brother and snatch his toy. And I'm going to tell you that I'm going to take that toy because I need to either protect your brother's body or I need to put the toy away because it's upsetting people. It's a rule, whatever it is that um, you need, but I'm not going to tell you, don't be angry at your brother. You love your brother because you're not feeling it right then. So I want the relationship to grow. And in order for it to grow, the child needs to know, I accept your angry feelings about your brother. I cannot accept you swiping that toy violently from his arms. So that would be, I think, an example. And so that would be relationship and rules into just like a moment that you had with your brother. And you just get, you know, as you have more and more opportunities to practically apply it. And that's why I use so many examples in the book, because there are a gazillion courses out there, like how to potty train, how to sleep train, how to discipline, how to deal with bullies, how to deal with um, a kid who's talking back, how to deal with, you name it, a death in the family. But ultimately every answer, and it's, I answer all those questions in the book because I don't want to leave people high and dry, but you start to realize there's a pattern here. Like you have the tools to answer every single one of those using these principles. It's just a matter of getting kind of fluent at it. And so I'm helping people by putting the ones that I know about into the book while also hoping that they're seeing a pattern and that they can apply it to any other situation in their lives. Are there any trends that you've been observing that you think would be well served by people perhaps reading and applying the five principles of parenting? I would say right now, because of probably social media um, combined with a pandemic and then many other sort of unimaginables that just keep getting piled on us. We've really wanted desperately to control making our children's environments better and our parenting more optimizable. I think that's very trendy. Um, So I would say one thing that I want to help with is 
clearing away this idea that we should be optimizing our children or our parenting when actually it's making it, it's like we've lost our way and we're really focusing on some micro stuff, some micromanagement and some very unnecessary noise. And I understand why. So what I think this book helps with is to help parents figure out what really matters for their values and what they're going for with their kids to focus on that versus like the the noise that's there that's just like you have here's the 700 things you have to do with your kids to make them optimized and also i think rules and sensitivity of care relationships is confusing right now like there's gentle parenting trends which doesn't really mean anything because it's defined in different ways by different people and it's not actually a research term but i think it has confused parents into feeling like how can i be both sensitive in relationship and have rules like that doesn't feel like it makes sense and i think that this book really helps it make sense now you are a mom yourself of two teenage daughters i'm a perfect mom myself <laughs> yeah i'm perfect mom do you use the five principles of parenting in your own home and if so what has been the impact of applying that well i'm i it's interesting because I have to be very careful because my children, I mean, they've read this book. So they're, I really have used these principles, but they're not, I don't, um, I have to be careful about language that I use with my kids because they are, they're very rightfully so aware of if I'm kind of being a psychologist on them. So I have to be, aware of what is harder and easier for me of these five principles. And I can tell you, I am very good with relationship. Like I am so into it and repair. Like those things are, those things come more naturally for me, but rules is much harder for me because I am so connected and in relationship in my view that like, if my kids push back, which they will, cause they're teenagers, I can, I can find the, you know, like I can reflect enough to see that I am inclined to be like, that is such a good point. <laughs> and I don't want you to be so upset. So let's like fix this. That would be my Achilles heel. So I really do work on it, but I am, you know, I'm not great at it. I, it's my challenge. And I think it's why I really wanted to make it very clear in the book. Cause I know that like, there are some people for whom rules come very easily. Like they are great at, because I said so. Not that you want to get great at because I said so, because ideally rules have purpose behind them and you explain them, but it is natural to them. They're great with boundaries, but they struggle with connection. So I think for me, I can point out, I can tell you with confidence, I use these principles. I embody these principles. I'm not, I'm not even like, calculating in my head. Oh, let me, let me lean into this principle. It just like comes naturally because it's like been part of my life for so long, but I still have challenges and I can see exactly when I'm having them. And I think that's my use of reflection, but there are moments that I'm just like, Oh, I'm still, but this is a weak muscle that I haven't, I have a lot of work to do. Dr. Pressman, what else would you like parents and anyone else reading this book to leave with relief that like 
this is a long game and we're doing what we can do when we can do it. And I really want people, I would love, and this has happened with people who've read it. Like, I think they felt very validated and felt like, okay, I kind of feel like I've got this and I just need to exercise these muscles in these ways, but I am not a terrible parent raising kids who are going to be totally screwed up, which I think is all of our fears. The book is called The Five Principles of Parenting, authored by Dr. Aliza Pressman, developmental psychologist. Thank you so much for sharing your time and insight with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that is this edition of Where Parents Talk. Thanks for joining us. I'm Leanne Castellino. Catch the full video version of this interview, as well as all of our guests, at whereparentstalk.com. Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.